Well, good morning. It is Thursday, November 2nd, 2023. Thursday, November 2nd, 2023. Slava Ukraine, Heroium Slava, PVTV, Political Views TV Podcast. That's what you Google to find me. Uh, tell your friends to Google Political Views TV Podcast, and I'll show up right at the top of the search. Can I just say how much I appreciate you, in case I haven't told you that before? Uh, if you can, please bring someone with you today or tomorrow, and you can tweet to me or X to me questions or insights or come fight with me at Cyberclops, C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S on formerly known as Twitter. So let's start with the, uh, the war in Ukraine. <clears throat> Ukraine's commander-in-chief has conceded that there have been few gains in Ukraine's five-month-long counteroffensive to retake Russian-occupied territory. Uh, likening the current state of conflict to World War I, in which battles were often fought over a few miles of territory at the expense of huge numbers of men, uh, Ukraine's General Val- Valery Zaluzhny said the war had reached an impasse. Uh, Ukraine has repeatedly said it needs longer-range weapons, more air defenses, and its own air power to be able to fight Russia effectively. While its allies have donated massive amounts of equipment, decisions over further tranches of weaponry, such as tanks, have been torturous affairs and supplies slow to materialize. And this is all true, of course. Uh, Kremlin spokespuppet Dmitry Pesky-Peskov told reporters uh, in response, No, it has not reached the dead end. Russia consistently continues to carry out a special military operation. Their name for a war. All goals that are set must be achieved. Uh, Ukraine's military said more than 260 civilians had been killed after stepping on landmines or other explosives since Russia began its full-scale invasion in 2022. Kyiv estimates that about uh, a third of its territory is uh, potentially strewn with mines. Uh, South Korea's intelligence services believes uh, Pyongyang has sent about 10 armed shipments to Russia with more than 1 million artillery shells transported by sea. A South Korean ruling party lawmaker Yu Sang-bum told reporters after a briefing the deliveries would probably keep Russian forces in Ukraine supplied for two months. Uh, and uh, that might be why... Um, Russia is increasing its shelling because they're getting more shells. Uh, Annalena Baerbach, the German foreign minister, said today she was confident that the European Union next month would advance Ukraine's bid to join the bloc at a summit seen as a key milestone in Kyiv's effort to integrate with the West, uh, which we've been waiting for a long time. Uh, According to Ukraine's National Security uh, and Defense Council Secretary Alexei Danilov, Russia is preparing to attack Ukraine's critical infrastructure once the temperatures drop. Uh, Danilov said Ukraine was prepared, adding that most of the country's critical infrastructure was under control and foreign partners were providing additional air defense. Uh, Britain's Ministry of Defense said today Russia likely lost at least four long-range surface-to-air missile systems launchers Uh, to uh, Ukrainian strikes over the last week. Russia media reported that three Russian SA-21 launchers had been destroyed in the Luhansk region of Ukraine in late October, while Ukrainian sources reported additional uh, Russian air defense losses in Crimea in recent days. Uh, The UK said on formerly known as Twitter, 
Russia has long prioritized ample high-tech long-range SAM systems as a key component of its military strategy. The recent losses highlight that Russia's integrated air defense system continues to struggle against modern precision strike weapons and will highly uh, likely increase the already significant strain on remaining systems and operators. Uh, the ministry believes there's a realistic possibility that as Russia replaces the destroyed systems in Ukraine, it will weaken its air defenses in other operational areas. A Russian foreign ministry spokeswoman uh, Maria Zakharova said today that Israel's recommendation that its citizens leave Russia's North Caucasus region after a, that violent you know, Israeli protest in Dagestan on Sunday was anti-Russian. That's, uh, of course, that's the region where the airport incident took place. Uh, Zelensky said Ukraine's defense ministry had reported the arrival of shells, missiles, and equipment at the front. He didn't say exactly what they were, of course, because he would like to surprise Russia. Uh, Ukraine said that Kremenchuk oil refinery in central Ukraine caught fire after a Russian drone attacked the knocked out uh, and knocked out the power supply in three villages. Uh, falling debris from downed drones damaged railway power lines in a nearby region. Andrei Kovalov, a spokesperson for the Ukraine's armed forces, has posted a daily update of the situation as of 10 a.m. today. Uh, Russian carried out five missile strikes and 75 airstrikes, as well as shelling from the volcano fire jet systems on troops and settlements, resulting in deaths and injuries. Ukraine warplanes carried out nine strikes on personnel, weapons and military equipment, and three on enemy anti-aircraft missile complexes. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Uh, Ukraine's interior minister, Igor Klimenko, said 118 settlements in 10 regions of Ukraine's east had come under Russian fire in the previous 24 hours, marking the heaviest day of Russian shelling this year. Earlier today, an 81-year-old woman and a 60-year-old man were killed by Russian shelling in southern Ukraine's Kherson region. The two civilians died when Russian artillery targeted Kherson region villages, according to Governor Alexander Prokudin. Four others were injured in the strikes, which also damaged residential and public buildings. Uh, President Volodymyr Zelensky said today there was an attempt by the enemy to advance in the Vol uh, Volodar uh, direction, but our soldiers stopped it, inflicting heavy losses on the enemy. Dozens of vehicles, many killed and wounded. Volodar, held by Ukraine, has been a fighting hotspot as it is located between the eastern and southern front lines. Zelensky said defensive actions in Avdivka and other offensive operations in the south are also ongoing. Uh, defense, uh, defense analysis, uh, excuse me, analysts at the Institute for the Study of War said yesterday that battles around Avdivka were, uh, uh, were reminiscent of an unsuccessful offensive last year in Volodar. Uh, now that I have your attention, let's move on. Let's try and fix the rest of the world. Israel. Yesterday, we talked about Israel's plan to absorb the Gaza Strip and displace those 2.3 million Palestinians. Uh, today, let's talk about the hate that has been normalized in the right-wing parties in Israel, uh, especially that Yahoo Netanyahu's far-right Likud party, Knesset member and former public diplomacy minister Galit Distel uh, at Barian, 
posted on Facebook that Israeli officials must invest all their energy in one thing, erasing all of Gaza from the face of the earth, that the brave monsters will fly the southern fence uh, to the southern fence and enter Egyptian territory, an apparent reference to Israel's reported plan to expel Palestinians permanently who survived the assault to, uh, and, and uh, banish them to Egypt's Sinai Peninsula, imposing a second Nakba on the population. Uh, remember, we talked about the first Nakba, referring to the mass displacement of uh, dispossession of Palestinians during the 1948 Arab-Israeli War. Uh, she went on, or let them die. Gaza needs to be wiped out. She continued, revengeful and vicious IDF is required here. Anything less than that is immoral. Yes, that's right. I said she is calling for genocide of 2.3 million Palestinians. And she's saying without that genocide, it is immoral. And this is not an isolated voice. Defense Minister Yoav Gallant called residents of Gaza, about half of whom are children, human animals, as he ordered a complete siege of the enclave, including a total blockade of food, fuel, and electricity. That's genocide, more war crimes. Formerly, uh, former military officer Eliyahu Yossein said the IDF must enter Gaza, Gaza with the aim of revenge. Zero morality, maximum corpses. This is coming out of their Neset. And, and he told Channel 14 in Israel Monday, there is no population in Gaza. There are 2.5 million terrorists. Yes, another calling for genocide. This is the mindset of the Neset. Uh, the world has noticed, while the U.S. ignores the truth, Tuesday, citing crimes against humanity, Bolivia's socialist administration became the first in the world to completely sever diplomatic relations with Israel over its war on Gaza, while the left of government of Chile and Colombia and Jordan's monarchy recalled their ambassadors from Tel Aviv. Bolivian Minister of Presidency Maria Nella Prada told reporters, we are sending this official communication to the state of Israel in which, as we as stated, we make known our decision as the plurinational state of Bolivia to break diplomatic relations with Israel. We also demand an end to the attacks to, in the Gaza Strip, which have so far caused thousands of civilian deaths and the forced displacement of Palestinians. Prada added, that her government will pursue sanctions against those responsible for war crimes that are being committed against the Palestinian people, not only now, but since many years. The minister also vowed that Bolivia will send humanitarian aid to those affected in the Gaza Strip who are going through a serious health crisis, while calling on brotherly nations to produce collective action to avoid genocide in Gaza, and yet crickets from the United States. But what does the most popular Jew in the U.S. Senate say? Yesterday, U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders took to the Senate floor to argue that the priority right now must be to stop the bombing and bring in as much humanitarian aid as possible. Sanders, 
course, independent from Vermont, again advocated for a humanitarian pause or a temporary halt to hostilities for delivery of essentials and possible evacuations, rather than calling for a ceasefire or a long-term suspension of fighting, which a small group of progressive House Dems and, of course, myself and people worldwide, including hundreds of staffers of his own presidential uh, campaign, you know, Bernie Sanders, have been demanding. But even Bernie was called out for being slow to respond. Palestinian-American writer and uh, analyst Yusuf Munayer said in in response to uh, Bernie's speech, how many dead Palestinians is enough for Bernie Sanders to call for a ceasefire? We learned today that it is higher than 8,000. How high it actually is is still not known. Uh, Sanders, in his 18-minute address, acknowledged Israeli and Egyptian blockades of Gaza over the decades, which led to living conditions that were horrific and inhumane. Long before Hamas, October 7th attacks, he said that if we are serious about bringing freedom and dignity to the Palestinian people, that is a situation that can never be allowed to be returned to. The Palestinian people are entitled to much more than that. The senator called out Hamas as an authoritarian terrorist organization that is guided by fundamentalist ideology and rules rules by force while stockpiling arms and war material, taxing the desperately poor population, and stealing resources to build tunnels and rockets. He also highlighted pre-war conditions in Israel, noting that the nation had the most right-wing government in its history with a cabinet that included outright racist ministers who consistently dehumanized the Palestinian population. And Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu indicated, uh, excuse me, indicted for a litany of corporate charges. Yeah, we talked about how Netanyahu wanted to be in power again so he could escape those charges, remember? Uh, Bernie said, before the war, this right-wing Israeli government had systematically undermined the prospects of peace. He cited various policies, including settlement expansion and pointing to the recent surge in violence against Palestinians in the West Bank. He told Israel, rage and revenge do not make useful policy. Uh, He was recalling the U.S. response to the 9-11. He said, killing innocent Palestinian women and children in Gaza will not bring back to life the innocent Israeli women and children who have been killed by Hamas. Sanders declared that Israel has the right to defend itself and destroy Hamas terrorism, but does not have the right to kill thousands of civilians or endanger millions by cutting them off from necessities. He added, that type of action against a helpless and impoverished population is morally unacceptable and in violation of international law. Sanders said that Israel must also begin the process of laying out a political strategy. Such a strategy must include, as minimum, first steps, a clear promise that Palestinians displaced and fighting will have the absolute right to safely return to their homes. Which is, of course, not part of Israel's plan for ethnic cleansing and genocide. He continued saying, a commitment to broader peace talks to advance a two-tier, two-state solution in the wake of this war, an abandonment of Israel's efforts to carve up and annex the West Bank, and a commitment to work with the Palestinian Authority to build genuine governing capacity. 
The United States must make, make it clear that these are the conditions of our solidarity. Meaning, if you want those billions of dollars each year, you better play ball. That's what he was saying. <clears throat> he and some of those same senators also sent a letter to Biden asking for a response to several questions related to the emergency funding request and stating that the United States must take a leading role in charting out a future that respect, respects the lives of Palestinians and Israelis alike. Now, Senator Sanders and many others who are, are claiming that they want to help Pal uh, Palestine, they should definitely not vote for Israeli aid, put their money where their mouth is, right? <coughs> Excuse me. Apparently, Biden's election office is seeing the polls. Instead of doing the right thing and stopping Israel, Biden is offering eh, nothing but cake. First, Biden decided to offer not a ceasefire, but a pause. We'll get to that. But first, Biden was on the campaign, Terrell. Biden said in response to a question from a protester who interrupted him at a campaign reception in Minnesota, he said, I think we need a pause. When asked to clarify what the pause meant, he said, a pause means give time to get the prisoners out. Give time. The protester, who identified herself as Rabbi Jessica Rosenberg, said she wanted Biden to call for a ceasefire. She said, Mr. President, you care about Jewish people. As a rabbi, I need you to call for a ceasefire right now. After the crowd tried to quiet her, she said, I would love for you to answer my question, at which point Biden called for a pause. He went on to say, this is incredibly complicated for the Israelis. I can thoroughly understand the emotions on the Palestinian side of the argument and the Jewish side of the argument. But then later, the White House walked even that back a little bit. The official said Biden was referring to his urging the Israeli uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to temporarily halt the assault in a part of Gaza to allow two American Israeli hostages, Natalie and Judith Rahman, to get out. The official said Netanyahu <clears throat> agreed to no Israeli airstrikes in that part of Gaza for that short period. I seem to be losing my voice. <clears throat> Please excuse me, that's disgusting. <clears throat> the official said Biden was referring to his urging Israeli prime minister, like I said, uh, for that short period. Then the White House announced something that really means nothing. <clears throat> In a White House press release, it said, today, Biden and Vice President, and this is ridiculous, uh, Biden and Vice President Harris are announcing that their administration will develop the first ever U.S. national strategy to counter Islamophobia in the United States. The press release says, for too long, Muslims in America and those perceived to be Muslims, such as Arabs and Sikhs, have endured a disproportionate number of hate-fueled attacks and other discriminatory incidents. We all mourn the recent barbaric killing of Wada al-Fayoumi, a six-year-old Palestinian American Muslim boy, and the brutal attacks on his mother in their home outside Chicago. Today's announcement is the latest step as part of President Biden's directive last year to establish an interagency group to increase and better coordinate U.S. government efforts to counter Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, and related forms of bias and discrimination within the United States. This is really nothing. This is something that they say will placate you who believe that killing 
nearly 10,000 Palestinians is bad. He thinks that something like this is going to make up for that and is going to say, oh, okay, yeah, Israel, go ahead and bomb them all to hell. They want to study it and sweep it under the rug, thinking silly things like this will make up for nearly 10,000 murdered Palestinians in Gaza. Are you kidding me? Wow. Let's move on. We've had months dealing with Senator Tommy Tuberville. Uh, Remember, he's been blocking all military appointments because of a policy of the Department of Defense reimbursement for transportation costs for reproductive care, which, you know, includes abortion. For months, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer could have made an end run but didn't want to change rules. But at this point, even Republicans have had it with Tommy Tuberville. In a reversal of months-long stance, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said that he will bring a resolution to the Senate floor that, if paused, would overcome the military promotions block from uh, promotions block from Senator Tuberville uh, yesterday. Schumer said in floor remarks, "Patience is wearing thin with Senator Tuberville on both sides of the aisle." What happened? with the Marine Commandant just showed many people how dangerous what Tuberville is doing. And so I will call for a resolution on the floor to allow us to vote on all these people at once. And I'm very hopeful and optimistic about it. Uh, What he was referring to was a Marine Corps Commandant General Eric Smith, who was hospitalized after suffering an apparent heart attack on Sunday evening. There is currently not a Senate-confirmed assistant commandant in place. In an address on Friday, before his heart attack, Smith told reporters he was doing the job of both the Marine Commandant and Assistant Commandant of the service, pending the confirmation of the new number 2 officer in the Marine Corps, Lieutenant General Christopher Mahoney. Mahoney had been nominated for a four-star and to serve as the assistant commandant. And, of course, Tuberville has held that up, along with nearly 400 general and flag officer nominations that are stalled in the Senate due to Tuberville's hold on unanimous consent. The resolution, introduced by Senate Armed uh, Services' Jack Reed, would allow uh, promotions to be uh, processed and blocked. Schumer said he will bring it to the floor as soon as it clears the Senate Rules Committee, which will determine the per- parameters needed for the resolution to pass. So we shall see. Uh, last week it was Colorado, Monday was Michigan, and today it's Minnesota. We are talking about Trump and the 14th Amendment, efforts to use the Constitution's insurrection clause to prevent Trump from running again for the White House are happening in Minnesota. There are oral arguments before the state Supreme Court today. Uh, The uh, central argument is the same. The Section 3 of the 14th Amendment bars from holding office anyone who previously swore an oath to uphold the Constitution and then engaged in insurrection against it. In the Minnesota case, the plaintiffs are asking the state's highest court to declare that Trump is disqualified and direct the Secretary of State to keep him off the ballot for the state's March 5th primary. They've also broached the the possibility of the court ordering an evidentiary hearing, which would mean further proceedings and delay a final resolution, something that Trump's legal team opposes, likely because it would give them It wouldn't give them any time to appeal if necessary. Uh, The petitioners wrote 
The events of January 6, 2021 amounted to an insurrection or a rebellion under Section 3, a violent coordinated effort to storm the Capitol to obstruct and prevent the Vice President of the United States and the United States Congress from fulfilling their constitutional roles by certifying President Biden's victory and to illegally extend then-President Trump's tenure in office. Uh, Trump's lawyers are arguing that uh, the same thing that they've been arguing before. Uh, we don't know yet know if anything is going to get traction. Uh, they claim Congress should decide and that he has not yet been convicted and that the clause doesn't apply to presidents. Those are the three arguments. Uh, the relative lack of case law on how to apply the provision means that both sides are having to reach back as far as 150 years to find precedents. Uh, the Minnesota Supreme Court justices have scheduled just an hour of oral arguments today. They'll hear from attorneys for the petitioners, which include former Minnesota Secretary of State Joan Groh and former Justice Paul uh, Anderson, as well as lawyers for Trump, the Republican Party of Minnesota, and current Secretary of State Steve Simon. Uh, I was going to talk about Adam Kissinger, but I'm going to save that. Uh, we're moving on. Many Republicans are not happy with the direction of the Republican Party. But instead of staying and fighting, they are deciding to leave. Mitt Romney, for one, he's leaving. Now Representative Ken Buck. Buck says he will not seek another term for House of Representatives. The 64-year-old Republican represents Colorado's 4th Congressional District and has served five terms in the district that includes portions of northern and eastern Colorado. Uh, Buck said in, uh, in uh, reference to election denialists from his own party, our nation is on a collision course with reality and a steadfast commitment to truth. Even uncomfortable truths is the only way forward. Uh, Buck went on to say in a video news release, we lost our way, referring to the Republican Party. Earlier this month, Buck said, Buck said his office in Windsor would soon be forced to move after receiving an eviction notice. Buck, a longtime resident of Weld County, received an eviction notice from his Water Valley office space. A spokesperson for Buck said the eviction notice was given as a result of Buck's refusal to vote for Jim Jordan as Speaker of the House. Apparently, a Trump supporter owns the office building. Uh, saying the Republican Party lost its way is not something new. The father of modern Republicanism. Barry Goldwater, uh, uh, actually the father of modern conservatism <clears throat> in the 60s. He literally wrote the book on conservatism. And when I say he literally wrote the book, I mean he literally wrote the book. The book was called The Conscious of the Conservative, of a, a conservative. But by the mid to late 1970s, Barry Goldwater said that he didn't leave the Republican Party. The Republican Party left him him. That's when the religious right took control. And that's what he was talking about. So it's not new. A Republican Party has long strayed from their core belief system. So uh, speaking of uh, straying from their core belief system, we've talked about fascism and how one, uh, one way to see it is when a leader uses hatred of immigrants to convince the people that those other people are the cause of all their problems. Could you imagine voting for a racist who said something like, immigrants coming into our country are poisoning our blood? Well, guess what? 
You don't have to imagine that anymore. A well-known white supremacist supporter, Donald Trump, did a recent interview. He said, nobody has ever seen anything like we're witnessing right now. It is a very sad thing for our country. It's poisoning the blood of our country. It's so bad and people are coming in with disease. People are coming in with everything possible, every possible thing that you could have. This is stuff that Viktor Orban says. What Lukashenko says, any dictator or wannabe dictator uses this kind of rhetoric. I mean, we knew Trump was an anti-immigrant and racist, but the phrase poisoning the blood is language used by white supremacists who fixate on so-called blood purity. Adolf Hitler wrote in Mein Kampf about the contamination of the blood or blood poisoning. This is who Donald Trump is is. Uh, so, moving on, it looks like the gift that keeps on giving is going to continue to give a bit longer. A vote to expel George Santos from the U.S. House of Representatives failed yesterday when fewer than two-thirds of the chamber supported the resolution, preserving Republicans' narrow 221-212 majority. The final vote was 179-213 to to stop it from going forward. Ahead of the vote, Santos defended his right to the presumption of innocence. 19 voted present. I think yesterday, I said maybe 30 Republicans would vote to expel. It was 24. Uh, uh, what I was surprised by was only 155 Democrats voted to uh, voted to uh, for it to go forward. 31 voted nay, and 26 didn't vote or voted present. 182 Republicans voted nay. No surprise there. I think some Democrats recognize how much trouble George Santos is causing the Republican Party and decided they wanted that to continue. Why would they want to help Republicans with their problem, right? Also, the House uh, in uh, uh, a bipartisan 222 to 186 vote defeated a resolution to censure Congresswoman Rashida uh, uh, Tlaib after uh, she spoke at a rally that called for a ceasefire in Israel-Palestinian conflict. Marjorie Taylor Greene introduced a resolution on October 26, accusing Tlaib of anti-Semitic activity, sympathizing with terrorist organizations, and leading an insurrection at the U.S. Capitol complex, which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, yesterday, Don Jr., Trump's eldest son, testified that he was not involved in the preparation of his father's financial statements on any point in time, including after his father became president in 2017 and he was appointed trustee uh, on Donald Trump's revocable trust. Uh, Trump Jr. testified for 90 minutes in civil fraud trial against the family and their businesses. He will continue on the stand today, following, uh, followed by his brother Eric. Uh, during the testimony, Assistant Attorney General Colleen Faraday showed Trump Jr., the 2017 Statement of Financial Condition, which Judge Arthur Angeron has already ruled is fraudulent. The former president's son said again that he didn't help prepare the statement that year. He answered, I did not. The accountants worked on it. That's what we pay them for. As I said, he and Eric will blame it on the accountants and the lawyers. Uh, anyway, that's it. 
Thanks for listening. Thursday, November 2nd, 2023. Thursday, November 2nd, 2023. Man, do I appreciate you. Uh, bring someone with you if you can today or tomorrow. PVTV, Political Views TV Podcast. That's what you Google to find me. I'll show up right at the top of the search. Tweet to me questions, insights, or come fight with me at Cyberclops, C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S on the formerly known as Twitter. And remember... Always remember, government profit is measured by the betterment of the people. Don't you ever forget that. I'm Peter Lawrence, reporting from Los Angeles.